you know, it's. I don't think anyone's going to be upset if we say these guys, even if there's only one guy. I know, but again, with the world that we live in now, with the pronouns and everything, I just had to be sure when you said these guys and you were referring to one person, I thought it was more than one person was coming on the show. But you said it's one guy and you just referred to these guys as, you know, a collective, um, you know, where he's from or something. I don't know. I'm lost. I can I can see that. <laughs> just trying um, to, I'm just trying to be a good citizen. Are you? <laughs> are, are guys is guys hey guys yeah. hey guys hey guys hi guys are, i've kind of used more recently hi guys. Hi guys. you've you've done what more recently as a as a genderless term right yeah so guys being gals and guys everybody guys hey guys come over here or whatever it's uh-huh. not just men i think that's men. i thought for some reason that's kind of old that's old-fashioned that you i've been saying that for years you know hey guys um, but what, what we're talking about is the founder and CEO of an organization called Make Music Matter. And it's Darcy Adamant. And it's uh, music therapy for people. And I was referring to him. I didn't know how many people were going to be on. I just said those guys, meaning the people from the organization. And this has started this uh, roller coaster of discussion. Well, we're just, you know, you, I'm just trying to be, as I say, a good citizen. I want to use all the proper <laughs> pronouns and things. Well, good. You know, and I'm not, and I'm not being facetious. I'm not being smart. I'm just, I just thought <laughs> yeah. maybe that's where you were going. You don't have to tell me uh, that. <laughs> you know, um, you know, in this contest that I've obviously won, with, yeah. you haven't conceded yet. We can still talk about dance balls, right? You're the one who brought up the balls taint. I know. And but asshole. I, that's why whenever I refer to Dan now, I refer to him as them. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, well, yeah, there's been quite some uh, the email. I was going to bring it up later. Okay, well. The emails from right. people who are. Like, I mean, what, what, what did you do? Your friend's like, okay, let's put it to the audience. And they would, they would side with me. Have you not, are you not aware of the way radio works nowadays, broadcasting? You always put it to the audience. Mm. It's to be interactive. That's the key. Yeah. By the Every way, the- radio station I listen to now, right? Every time the jock opens the mic, they're asking the fucking audience a question. Have you noticed that? First of all, to answer your question, I don't know how radio works. Clearly, clearly, <laughs> clearly I have no idea. Do you have a problem with Wilnots? Give us a call at 870 and uh, tell us what you do with your Wilnots. Uh-huh. Happens. Yeah, well, okay. Um... Well, uh, there's been a couple of what we'll do is we'll read a couple of the emails today from people that have sided with you and, I, and I've responded. And, you know, I just do you not know how radio works? I was just trying to make it more entertaining. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry for trying to have some fun. You completely were like I'm, you were very. Um, how do I put it? Um, you abided by all the rules. You didn't even tiptoe around it. I just thought tiptoeing around Dan's Wang conversation would be fun. Sure That's what I fun. try. I just tried. Sorry for trying. Okay. Yeah, but listen, yeah, we have a contest. At some point, it needs a resolution or it needs some rules. 
it, it didn't take me to ask the audience if you had blown it or I had won because it was quite obvious. I don't know if it was. You know, if, if, I, if, if I may say, I don't know if it was quite obvious. Oh, Howie! Come on. <laughs> I don't know if it was, if it was <laughs> quite direct obvious. Direct hits there. Direct hits. Well, again, trying to make it fun in my enthusiasm for comedy and comedic relief, maybe. And I'm just going to say maybe there was some, you know, uh, nuanced, uh, like if you had some audio, maybe if you had some proof, oh, Jesus. but you don't. Oh, I'll have to talk to Boone. I think he can go back and hey, anyway, um, hey, don't get you me do. wrong too. I don't want it to be over. Well, I it shouldn't be over that. that. I love the fact this contest, but no, I want it to continue, but it seems you don't want it to because you're <laughs> no i do maybe listen i gave I've, I've already given you two pies and an extra wrexham hat so can't that yeah, that's be for boring my truck you stick. i know but can't that's that a, also that's... can't that also be some restitution and then we can oh. start again maybe that could be a a, a fine or a why don't, you, uh, why don't you just pay the 50 bucks and start over again why don't you pay the 50 bucks with your giant <laughs> dink <laughs> <laughs> oh no! You, you just right lost there. There, just there lost you it. go. There you go. <laughs> well, why, don't, why don't you use no, your, Why don't you use your giant man? ATM machine and spit out kind fifty of, bucks? What kind of a businessman are you? Terrible one. Apparently, Walk in this house the other day with two lovely pies. Yes, a buttered chicken and a braised beef from the Pie Commission, and an extra. Uh, Wrexham hat, welcome to Wrexham hat, or whatever you want to call it. And you, you made you made it quite clear that this was. Thank you for borrowing my truck one weekend. It was. So now you sit here and you try to make that <laughs> part of the bet. Like what kind of? You don't do stuff oh, like that. What kind of? <laughs> you know, went down. I oh, love you know it. that nice gesture <laughs> that I made to you on Thursday or Wednesday or whatever it was, Fred. You know the pies and the hat and thank you for lending my. No, truck. the pies now were I for the. Listen, now I want listen that to be to part me. of the wager. First of all, Dan, don't you love it when his voice starts to rise up a bit? I just. <laughs> what kind of a? What kind of a? <laughs> Uh, the pies were to be the in pies with you. The pies, well, you're too bad, buddy. The pies were for the the truck. The Wrexham hat was just for because I had an extra one. I wanted to give it to Danny. Did you, did you give it to Danny? By no, the I way, seen him yet? Okay, well, I what? saw him last night, but it, it was somewhere else. Okay, all right. Listen, listen. Can we just start the show? Yes, because this pre-show is uh, starting to become annoying. Dan, are you ready? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, ready. here comes Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from our state-of-the-art Humble and Fred studios in Toronto, from our well-equipped Brampton facility with a pool, and Lisa's dining room table with a very recent coffee stain, and is brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, evnet.ca, Alma Pasta, and Stretch Lab Toronto. And now here are two aging men who wonder how long it's going to be before they start mumbling unintelligibly. It's Humble and Fred. Dan Duran, Dan Duran, Dan Duran. Well, we've already mentioned who's going to be on the show. The guys, actually just one guy from a uh, organization that uses music as therapy. Which is pretty cool. Looking forward to having that conversation, but it's going to be well at the end of the show. We're going to we have a lot of time for these kind of discussions. 
I spent a lot of time with Johnny Slabshot this weekend. I took him to a couple of hockey games. His uh, mom and dad were off doing some other things. And uh, driving home, I think, from Milton on Friday, he said, Papa, I forgot my homework at the house. So anyway, we had to go by and get his homework. And I thought that was pretty cool that he was that conscious of his homework. And then in discussions with him, I said, well, do you like doing homework? Do you like it when you have homework? And he goes, well, you know, what are you going to do? Basically, I have homework. He said, what I like to do, though, is listen to music while I do my homework. And it makes it easier to do. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool because. I remember as a kid doing my homework with my little transistor radio in front of me, listening to 1050 Chum. Of course, now um, it would be off a playlist, but that is true. It brought back memories, having to do homework. Just somehow having that music playing made it feel less like homework yeah. or something. I think it's cute that you're saying you had a little transistor radio, but I, I envision you when you were doing homework having one of those giant... You know, radios you see from <laughs> remember those things you see like in the nineteen twenties. The radio was the yeah. size of a fridge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sit- yeah, yeah. Everybody's sitting in front of it, uh, in front of it, looking at it. Like it's That's TV. right. What, what's it? those pictures? Kill me. Uh, all those shots. Yeah, the entire family sitting around looking at this thing. It was the size of a Volkswagen in your living room. Uh, we didn't. I, I, hmm? We had. I, a- I told you. I- I, for my 12th birthday, I got a uh, transistor radio. It's a little box. And it's yeah, yeah. a transistor. Still works. And uh, I still have it around. I got it for my 12th birthday. And my son has asked that he, when I die, that he gets it. It's an um, In our home, we had a, a similar sort of, you know, transistor radio that was in the kitchen. And I've told you this. That was a big deal for me when I got old enough that I could take it to the bedroom with me at night so I could listen to radio. And then my dad would come in uh, once I had fallen asleep. Dan, what's your transistor radio story? We didn't have a transistor radio. Because you got I, direct I, messages from Jesus. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> we, you know, we were, we had to be very economical, our family growing up. My parents had a, a record player that was about two feet by three feet. And, uh. It Did it have a crank? Tube. Did you have to crank it up? No, no, it had tube. It had tubes. I don't know. I was old, and you know, the pointer for the for the uh, stations that was broken off, so you had to sort of guess where where you were when you're tuning in. But that was that's what we had. Oh, it was a record player and slash radio. Yeah, it was like a, yeah, yeah. you know an integrated unit there with the record. Yeah, player. some of that stuff looked like furniture. Remember back in the day, TVs, you know, were. Yeah, right. Yeah, in consoles, yeah. 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 This one wasn't that. It was You got one, don't we? How are you? Yeah, I have a I have a radio a hi-fi, stereo hi-fi. It's a mid right. they call it mid-century modern and I still it was my it was in my parents' home all through our childhood and I have it now in my home. Some of them like uh the people with money in our neighborhood uh was those it was like a the TV in the middle and then yeah. on the sides was a stereo uh, record player and a radio and everything. It was an actual piece of furniture so to speak yeah come um, way. so we have uh we had have there's some controversy con- controversy uh, just from, from a few people mike parker is one of them that sent me a message and he says uh hi guys hi guys, hi guys. Hi guys. Hi guys. fred won the contest before it even got started i don't blame humble says mike He's been making Dan Ding jokes for decades. <laughs> That's true. I have a 
20 years head start on Patterson. He said, I think payment in pies is good. Maybe a few more visits to the Patterson estate in B-Town and your debt will be paid, Howie. And then he goes on to talk about his resting heart rate and such. When did he write that? On uh, Thursday. And he's, he's, uh, he's taken pies. Pardon me, sir. He said payment in pies. Yeah, because I had talked about he, he suggested that the pie payment, not me. No, I was going to say, because I don't remember that as part of the conversation earlier in the week. I don't no, I, so I came to your house pies. on Wednesday Yeah, with the pies, and then right. we talked about it Thursday. Dan, he has taken a, a shot at a Dan's Dink is so big joke. Okay. He says Dan's Dink is so big. How big is it? Oh, right. Of course it's, expl- it's explosions are bigger than Oppenheimer. So that's, you know... Yeah, that's what Mike Parker. So, Michael Parker says, "Okay, okay, uh-huh. okay." Not everyone's got your sense of humor, Dan. So, hi guys. Uh, this hi is uh, guys. the last one came from hi Danielle Hayashi. Hi guys, she says. Since the Dan Dink Dan Duran Dick joke embargo, there have been questionable questionable comments made i do agree with fred and his request to go to the complaints department i would have ruled in friends in fred's favor fred's gets the 50 and then she goes on to talk about her resting heart rate but no information about her bowel movements apparently i don't get the 50 i get something like 30 a couple of pies and a hat However, what do you mean 30 20, whatever. I don't, whatever. Do you do the math? I don't know, Howard. I didn't purchase this stuff. Well, the hat's like 40 bucks. Any gift oh, that Howard's oh, okay. ever given you. The hats are like $45. The pies. Love this. What a businessman he is. Okay, the hat's 40 bucks. The pies are... T- I, I owe him money. <laughs> That's right. That's right. This is great. I mean, if we're being fair, you know, the, the hat's 45 and uh, the, pies are 10. the pies are 10 each. So that, you know, really, you do owe me 15 bucks. <laughs> Where's my 15? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. High voice, high voice. <laughs> Jesus That's Christ! Right, oh, yeah. Dan. What do you? Uh, a, sorry, I guess you have a spreadsheet of all the gifts you're giving people. As you can do the uh, do the math and no, whether or not uh, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. gifts compared to the outgoing. Well, gift. you know what, Dan? It's a good thing I don't. Um, <laughs> it's a good. It's a good thing for you. I don't. Yeah, right. um, you know, listen. I admit that I, in my zeal, in my enthusiasm. To tiptoe to the line, I may have gone over it. On, on a, yes, I admit that. And if you would like the bet to uh, be over, I'll be happy to e-transfer you $50. I was just kidding around. The pies, of course, are from my heart. The hat is because, you know, actually, there's a quick story because everyone knows I ordered these hats originally to try and be a nice guy. Um, and then they, um, and they were, I told you what they were. They were 50 bucks each. And then I had to reorder them because the the original shipment, this goes back in the spring, went to Mexico for some reason. And so I reordered them and then I I ordered it on something called Etsy and they were so good, their refund policy, they refunded me the money, which I was great. So I didn't have to spend $200 on the two hats. 
And then a couple of days ago, Dan, the hats, the, the two hats I originally ordered showed up. So I happened to be going. I know it's crazy. So I happened to be going to Fred's place and I was taking one hat for a friend of ours because I, I wanted to give him a hat separately of Dan, Dan, uh, Danny Patterson. And I thought, oh, you know, there's an extra hat here. Fred, give it to Danny. This is where the extra hat came into. So, yes, I'd be happy to pay the debt. You can enjoy the pies and the extra hat. Two things. Yes. Number one, a man of integrity would return those two hats. That's <laughs> 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 the fucking best. Coming from Caper Boss. A man of integrity. Well, you would have fucking sold those hats. A man of integrity would return those hats. <laughs> yeah. Secondly, you know, with me, you know, as easygoing as I am mm-hmm. and not wanting the contest to be over. And, you know, I'm willing to extend the contest and give you another chance. It's all anyone can ask for. Do you think it's worth it? Absolutely. Or have we, or, or have we uh, exhausted this bit? Squeeze this bit for all. <laughs> well, first of all, when you say a man of integrity, it's laugh, integrity. it's it's laugh out loud hilarious to me. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, what should I do today? I must return those hats to <laughs> it's, I mean, That is funny. Um, as far as the, the contest guilt, goes, the feeling of guilt, Howard, just continues. Yeah, just to overwhelming. Be with you. It'll build and build over the years. That's right. You'll always look back and say, I should have. I've got two free hats. Mm-hmm. I hope Etsy doesn't hear those guys at Etsy. Uh, as far as the contest goes, I really don't think we've explored. You know, using taint balls and asshole uh, to the extent that we could have. I don't think it ever no. got. Uh, I agree. I agree. There was a, there was uh, reams of uh, material there. <laughs> like, re- so, like, <laughs> like Dan's no. a- wait, like Dan's asshole being reamed. Yeah. Okay. See, all well um, within the rules. Then, well within the rules. Then so there's. The- then there's the other aspect of this, and maybe we should put this out to the audience. Oh, the do audience they, is. Do, do they want to hear Dan Dick jokes, or do they think they're childish and silly and uh, get in the way of the other uh, gold that's on the show? I don't know. Well, here's uh, the guy that uh, loves to hate us, Gordon Kennedy. I just opened up Facebook to see if the uh, feed was working. And his comment, your contest, in quotation marks, is a joke. Grown men talking about another man's penis every damn day. Move on with more filler. <laughs> Fucking Gord. <laughs> well, we, okay, The buddy, whole show is said. filler, Gord. We said balls, asshole, taint. We have moved on to other filler. Exactly. <laughs> like the filler is like the filler in Dan's asshole. I love so the fact that. I was going to say basically, Fred, what you're saying is that you flag on the play that it's just like okay, we're we're there's a warning. There's a warning. Plays that our yellow card, yeah. Yellow and card. You, uh, and then you move on. And, uh, start over. I don't know. It's, it, it, uh, you know. You know you know, I, I rarely open this up during the show, but every time I do, and there's a comment from Gordon Kennedy, I always laugh to myself. I'm like, why, does Gordon, why would Gordon Kennedy bother with this show? The entire thing should be called filler. We don't have, we don't have, we have no agenda other than at some point we're going to talk to a guy about music therapy. The rest of it is just filler. Here's this entire page. See all the notes there, Gord? This yes. entire page is filled <clears throat> with today's filler. This is today's show. Go have a look. <laughs> 
Gord. We Gord should uh, dial in one morning. Yeah, yeah, dial in exactly. Here's dial Bert- in or whatever he is. Come on the Zoom call and we'll talk to him live on the show. But it has been our experience over the years. The biggest critics sort of turtle when you make that offer for whatever reason. Bernard Fraser just ran, uh, um, weighed in here, Dan, with a comment. Mornings on the Dini Petty Show. Bernard was a, a producer. And, of course, from Church of Trees. He says, mornings on the Dini Petty Show, we're rife with Dan Dick jokes. Bring them on. So there you have it. Somebody is. Yes. So you, you think we invented it? You think we invented Dan's dick jokes? No. Dan, when you were on set, did you have to have like a special, almost like an athletic supporter to hold that thing down so it didn't show up on network TV? Down the, you know, down your pa- your um, pant leg. Because you would wear like, you know, thin um Material, nice uh, dress pants. It didn't seem to be a problem. Whatever, however, the magic oh. of television never. We never talked about that. Yeah, was, I'm you know, sorry. You're allowed to ask that question. Uh, that's not contravening <sighs> the rules of engagement. No, it wasn't a dick joke. It was a question. What was a dick question? Oh, hey, Dan, your dick's so big, you had to have it, you know, strapped down during network TV. You you don't understand concept. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. You Clearly, don't. I don't. You okay. really don't well, have any <laughs> idea what contest works. So, let me keep track. I have no idea about gifting, uh, no. business, or contests. Mm-mm. No. Anyway, we, I would love. You're right. We should. Well, Gord, to tell you what, Gordon, you've you've uh, been weighing in for so long now, and it's always he just. He, I don't know why he bothers, but Gordon, here's our invitation to you. Uh, you let us know when you're available, and we'd love to have you come on and help us fill some time on this broadcast that you seem to be so annoyed with. Can you imagine grown men talking about another man's penis every damn day? What about, yeah, that, what, what recipe for success? Who's done that? Let's see. Um, oh, yeah, Howard Stern. <clears throat> he, um, oh, speaking of Stern. Yeah, did you see the, the Trump thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll get to Trump later, by the way. Yeah, and I, <laughs> it's funny because he's aware of all the stuff that we do that he hates. And, yes. you know, again, that's one of the formulas for building an audience. Keep them coming back, even if it's through. You don't care why they listen just as long as they listen. Obviously, he listens to get aggravated. Um, speaking of which, I, I made that thing about strapping it down on the Dini Petty show. Remember, I won't use his last name. A guy used to have a trailer up at the park named Ron. And he told me a funny fucking story one day. He he worked for, I think, IBM or whatever. And often he would stand up, have to stand up in front of an audience and give speeches. And he said he had this weird thing. Whenever he had to stand up in front of a group of people and speak, he'd get a heart on. <laughs> Come on. Did you hear him stop? It's a great story. And he, was te- he said, I don't know what it is. He said it was unbelievable. I'd have to speak as soon as I get up. I'd start getting a boner, and then I'd be conscious, could people see it? And he could never really make that connection. Why? And I said, well, you should talk to somebody about that. And he said, I'm too embarrassed. But he says, I'm, he said, Fred, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. That's what happens to me. Well, I can say one thing. It's a good thing you talk to you so that, you know, no, because, you know, if he, <laughs> it's good. That, so he wouldn't be embarrassed by other people knowing it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's uh, yeah. I'll never for uh, sitting at the tiki bar one night. He told me that story, and I said, "You're shitting me." He said, "No, I'm telling you the truth." 
well, that's what happens. Be better than you know. What if it would be way worse if he, every time he stood up in front of people he, had, he shit himself? That would be way worse. <laughs> well, everybody does that. Well, mm-hmm. it's interesting you brought that up. Is it Howard? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. Ever since Jeremy called me last week to invite me on the stage this week at um all right exciting times at the danforth music hall uh you know i you know it's on my mind and as the days count down and i think about the times like not so much when i'm doing yuck yucks but certainly with a bigger show or a bigger event i think the opposite is true that you get so Whatever that adrenaline is that you get so that it's the opposite of getting a boner. It almost goes inside you. You almost become, you know, because when, when you have that fight, flight or freeze reaction, usually what happens is all mm-hmm. your blood rushes away from your vital organs and goes mm-hmm. to your extremities so that you're ready for, you know, mm-hmm. case of fucking no, crocodile or some shit attacks you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I woke up this morning when the first thing I thought of was, uh, okay. You know, it's now it's Monday, only a couple more days before I have to do this. And again, I don't mean I'm not excited about doing it, but it's like it's it's going to happen. And mm-hmm. there will be a moment on uh, Thursday night when I'm standing in front of 1500 people trying to, uh, you know, and I can get the you get those butterflies just thinking about it. I get butterflies. Oh, of course. Isn't that interesting? That whole concept. I'm sorry. Is it too? Go ahead. No, whether it's 500, 1,000, or 1,500, what does it matter? But the bigger the number, the more, you know what I mean? It's like you have your act, and whether 500 people laugh or 1,000 or 1,500, you know what I mean? It really doesn't. No, you're right. It, it, it's it's just the bigger the audience, the more we get nervous for whatever reason. I well, yeah, that. for sure. And um, yeah. You know, it's like uh, if you and I and Dan and Darren went golfing today, it would be fun. We'd have some laughs and it's just the four of us. But then if the four of us were to do that same golfing in front of a few people watching us, you know, there's a level of nervousness. But then put a thousand people in front of us. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. there's no way to trick your brain. Like, I can't say to myself, well, is this like any other show? Because it won't be. That's a, it's, you, you can't, it's like you can't lie to your brain. The difference is I've done this so many times, and the material I'm doing, I've done so many times that the, the actual articulation of the words coming out of my mouth won't be the issue. It'll just be, you know, Dan, you can relate to this a bit. The, the way sound travels in a bigger room like that is a different rhythm because when there's only three or 400 people, they're right in front of you and the sound comes right back at you. But with that many people, it takes a second for it to come back. A little bit more of a delay, a little more of a delay, a nanosecond delay. Yeah. So I'm going to have to be very conscious of not going too quickly and not get nervous. If the laugh takes a second, because it's not as instantaneous. Um, But I will assume this, that they'll have great audio. You know, this is a show that Jeremy's tickets are, I think I saw it online. They're ninety or a hundred dollars a ticket, so I'm assuming the mics will work. <laughs> you know, Dan. That, that was one assumption I was happy with. I was like, okay, well, at least yeah. the audio. I'm sure there'll be a foldback uh, speaker on the stage. There'll be all I the things a stand-up needs for sure. There'll be a nice I stool. I didn't know the. Um, oh yeah, always the stool with the bottle with of water. the bottle of water, of yeah, course. Bottle of water, yeah. 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 Um, 
I wasn't aware that Danforth Music Hall um, had that capacity, 1,500. Is it an old theater or something, like a movie theater? Or, like, what's the deal there? I don't know. Uh, I, I've probably been there, but I can't oh, remember. Oh, yeah, you have. I've been there a bunch of times. Um, Danforth Music Hall capacity, yeah. It's 1,500. He sells out. That's, yeah, that's wild. Dude, may I call you dude? Dude, mm. the last time he was here, he sold out Massey Hall. Wow. And when he called me, I think I told you this, when he called me to say, hey, Glassy, you want to do some minutes on my show? I thought it was going to be at Massey Hall. Not that it's a disappointment, but I just thought, like, that would be the thrill of a lifetime for me, to get on stage at Massey Hall. That would be feather in the cap, uh, bucket list type thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to stand on that stage. Again, the, the Danforth Music Hall is pretty cool, too. Yeah, they have 1500 the uh, Massey Hall is 2752. Right. And I'm looking at a picture now of the um of what it looks like. It's just, you know, it's a soft seat, people sitting down, you know, looking up at a proscenium stage kind of thing and it's Yeah, it'll be cool. It'll be um it'll definitely be a thrill for me. But uh you know, something I'll be thinking about. I've been thinking about it the last couple of days. Not just what I'm going to do, but what that's going to be like and Mm-hmm. You know, the kids are going to come and ex-wife Randy's coming and uh, I've got some tickets for Anthony and Carmela Petrucci. Is um, is he going to bring um, Jeremy um, a lasagna, maybe? Or maybe you should do that as a gesture. It <laughs> would be funny. If, uh, bring him a lasagna. No, no. Just bring him a, a pasta <laughs> lasagna, then, then tell him he owes you 20 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's no i think it would be funnier if because like, i'm i'm gonna someone's gonna some i can't remember what radio station it is but somebody is going to uh come out make a couple of announcements and introduce me but i'm gonna host the show so i'm gonna do like 10 minutes off the top introduce another comedian then i'm gonna come back and introduce uh, jeremy that's when i should give him the lasagna <laughs> just as, comes, as he comes on stage go and here's Jeremy Hotz and I just hand him a, a lasagna from Palma Pasta see what brainstorming does oh I'm learning so much today from the you the show is often brainstorming <laughs> on the go and there that would be a funny bit it's not brainstorming uh, according people to people would be scratching their heads <laughs> like, what the fuck is this guy fucking Hotz this Hotz looking at me like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> um, and now Thanks, the uh, classy. I hope it's veggie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and now the uh, now the some people on Facebook are like Gordon Kennedy. You got to take their invite to go on the show. I think that would be great. That would be. That's what we need. We need Gordon Kennedy on this show to help us fill the time. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, you know, I you know it would and and Gordon, we would be respectful. We would just we just want to have a chat with you, and maybe you could give us some pointers about what we should use for filler. I, I want to talk about the psychology of it again. Uh, we referenced Stern often over the years. People said the you know the reason people listened to him is because he aggravated them or they wanted to they thought he was like offensive but they wanted to hear what offensive thing he would say next same with rush limbaugh you know oh yeah they said a lot of liberals listened to him just couldn't wait to hear the next outrageous thing he said so uh i guess that we're that way with gordon just too bad there wasn't more of them yeah, that's right. We need more people that hate us to listen to us. Do you think, and just to pause the comedy machine for a second, do you think, 
because that's one of the, when I first started listening to Rush Limbaugh, and you know I was an early adopter. I listened to er, yeah. I listened to him early in the nineties when I would come home and have my lunch. He was on WBEN nine thirty Buffalo, and I remember saying to you early on that this guy was the first talk show host I'd ever heard. That reminded me of of a morning show because it sound he would do bits and he would do updates and he did funny little bits and I, this was before I even kind of realized. Well, I shouldn't say that. It was before he became what he became. He became more and more right wing and outrageous as the years went on. So just but the reason I say that is, do you think that's part of what Fox and that you think that's part of what they're doing They're They're actually break because because you and I watch Fox. Dan, you listen to the Fox the odd time. What's the question? Well, is that that's what it is. It's because of the outrage of it, because we hate them so much. Without a doubt. I mean, that's what they do. They fuel that fire in America. You know, they just bring outrage. That's why, you know, they concentrate on the border and immigration and all that stuff. Because, you know, you know, um, Billy Bob in uh, Kentucky, that kind of stuff pisses him off. So, because America is supposed to be for America. But what about the liberals? So, but but Mm -hmm. less, uh, so, but non-right-wing people like us. Yeah. I'm tuning it in to be outraged by it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. From a different perspective. Mm-hmm. No, I know. Uh, you know, the thing is with Rush Limbaugh in the early days, it was like so many other things. Um, the more competition he got, the more he had to position himself in a certain way. You know what I mean? He could do that back then because nobody else was doing it. Mm-hmm. And then in the 80s, you know, you had that influx of right wing radio. It's like, OK, what do I have to do now to cut carve out my piece of the pie or my position? And that's what he became. You know, I often talk, I mean, even at my level, I used to, when I when I used to write my blog back in the mid, you know, 2005, 2006, nobody else was doing it. So you had an audience and people sort of enjoyed it. And then once social media took hold like Facebook and everybody could become a commentator, then it was like, what's the use anymore? Because people aren't. People aren't listening to you anymore. They're speaking. They're talking. Mm-hmm. They want to be that person. They want to. Because remember in the early stages of Facebook, a lot of people used it sort of as a blog vehicle to state their sort of positions and their outrage and what pissed them off. And, it, uh, yeah, so you just change. And me, I gave it up for that reason because now everybody's doing it. What's, mm-hmm. what's the use? And uh, and I think that was the thing with um with Limbaugh. And I think that's the, the thing with uh, Fox as well. You know, like Newsmax came along and um, OAN or whatever it is. And now they're being outrageous. So what do we do to maintain our audience? Well, let's get more outrageous. Dan, did you work at a radio station in Peterborough? What was the years you did that? That, was, that wasn't that long ago, like 10 years ago? In Peterborough? Yeah, uh, when you were the morning show yeah, there. Somewhere in there, like eight, eight to, yeah. The reason I ask is because when Fred left the mix, that was 2005, and I was only there for one more year after, but I came back to radio in 2008 for three years. So I had some, in, in that period of time, Fred, what you missed was all the jocks having to produce a blog right? either daily or a couple times a week on mm-hmm. something. It became yes. part of our jobs. Dan, was that ever part yes. of your job? Uh, not as strong, but it was encouraged that we do social media about the radio station, and mm. and uh, and then also, you know, 
make sure we're watching whatever the Dancing with the Stars or whatever is. Yeah. But 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 to blog, did you never actually because because at the mix for my last year there, and certainly at Easy Rock when I got there in 2008 it was part of the gig all of a sudden i had to you know take my prep and for me it was pretty easy because i could just take the stuff i prep for the morning show and you know sort of cut and paste it but what a weird little world that was for a while where we were expected to do that well my biggest problem with that it still is now when you see people claiming they have podcast networks and then you click through all the podcasts on the network and there hasn't been a new podcast on any given one for months it just looks awful and that was part of the problem that i had when i was a program director of the wolf Um, that had taken it hold there had been a chorus directive through you know the company that jocks should do this now for whatever reason because it was would help grow audience and it was the thing to do well i would scroll through the blogs from the jocks and some guys hadn't written one in like six seven weeks Mm mm-hmm it's to the point where I said to them, if you're not going to do this, just take it down. Because that looks worse than nothing. Oh, for sure. And having nothing. You know? And there was nobody really cracking the whip. Was it like that with you? Were, were people like, hey, Howard, you... Uh, no, I mean, no, haven't I haven't posted in a, in a while. No, because we had to post every day or every, it was two or three times a week. It was pretty, for us, it was pretty regular. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't outrage stuff. It was just, you know... No. Uh, some little um, survey that we saw or, you know, maybe a right. story about my dog. Uh, at the time I was going through, uh, well, 2008, 9, 10, 11, I was going through my separation and divorce. So I wasn't blogging about that. Um, but even, but Dan, you were doing mornings. What was the station you did? Magic? Magic 96.7. But uh, there was no blogging. That was after blogging. I don't recall. Post, that was post blog. Post blog, yeah, because this section of time the blogging was a thing. Yeah. But I wasn't in radio during that. Okay. Um, the other thing too, I remember, and again, you know, all of a sudden, and it was part of the evolution of listener interaction. And not we're, we're not picking on Gordon Kennedy, but just to use him as a reference, when we started, if we didn't, someone didn't like us, they'd have to go to the trouble of writing us a letter. And I remember distinctly when email became pretty common. Mm. Two things happened. A lot of the men that listened to our morning show started sending us internet porn to the point where we had to ask them to stop because mm-hmm. it was like all of a sudden, hey, Humble and Fred, how about mm-hmm. this? Uh, but the second thing I really remembered was when people could interact with us in real time, much like we're interacting with Gordon right now. That was a big difference where before you either had to write or we had to um, get you on the phone and, and bring you into the show. Our, we, we allowed you in. Then all of a sudden, people could comment while it was happening, and it was a completely different animal at that point. I remember when I did my independent blog, of course, my mother was always a big fan of mine and ours. She loved us so and would listen every day, and whether she understood it or not. But um, when I did my independent blog, and then I had comments, and then somebody would get nasty, she'd be afraid for me. <laughs> she'd call me. I saw that guy. Aren't you afraid that he's going to come over to the house or something? I said, no, not really. I said, these guys, you know, the bark's a lot worse than the bite. No, I don't know, Freddie, whether you should be doing that. Oh, yeah. Memories. Someone, uh, Michael Parker, just commented on Facebook. Wait, Fred was a PD. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, all right. Uh, on uh, With talent on loan from God, the EIB Network. That was uh, Rush Limbaugh. This was his theme song. Dan Duran's News is going to join us in about 20, 25 minutes. Uh, Dan's going to get his staff on this. Uh, we'll reunite with Dan. As I mentioned, music matters. We're going to talk. What? Get my staff on that? Is that Harry Crossing? Oh, look. Th- wait. Dan made his own dick joke. I didn't do it. I didn't make a joke. I'm yeah, just. You uh, did. Okay. I was wondering if you'd cross the line there. I didn't say your rod. <laughs> Dan Duran's news and uh, music matters. Thanks, Dan. He didn't say your pulsating blue veiner. Oh, but that's not over the line? That contest is fucking... <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, man. I, if you want the contest to be over, I'm fine with it. I don't care. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll right, give you 50 bucks. Let's on to the next bit. So wait a second. So to be clear, we can go back... <laughs> we, we can go back to... Uh, to making Dan dick jokes. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, why not? All right, fine. I'm good with the pies in the hat. <laughs> Great. Um, all right. Uh, as I mentioned, the people from Music Matters are going to talk about music as therapy. In the meantime, Fred's going to talk about this. Hey, uh, Tim Niblett, the retirement sherpa. Tim, a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh, Tim will be by this week to talk about IPPs. What is an IPP? Who should consider an IPP? What are the benefits of an IPP? Okay? I'm not going to tell you right now what an IPP is. Be listening to his um, uh, appearance uh, on Wednesday, and we'll find out all about IPPs. He's the retirement Sherpa, Tim Niblett, retirementsherpa.ca. Uh, really a lot of response uh, to Daryl Croft's appearance last week about the world of EVs and EV. Uh, rentelectric.ca, evnet.ca. Uh, and a lot of response. We're on to week three now. One more week to get your entries in to win a free weekend EV rental. Couple of days to experience the world of electric vehicles. Send us an email, humble and friend at humbleandfredradio.com. Subject line rent electric. And uh, also, if you if you don't win the contest, we are going to give you forty dollars off your first rental uh, using the voucher Humble EV. RentElectric.ca has all kinds of electric cars, not just Teslas. Uh, you can uh, check out their line at one eight hundred three eight seven nine three nine one. One eight one eight hundred three eight seven nine three nine one. Rent Electric in the subject line, and go to RentElectric.ca. I wonder how much the pretenders made off Rush Limbaugh using this as their as his uh, theme song. And I wonder if they ever because he used it pretty much his entire time that I listened to him. I wonder if they ever complained about it. If you well, know. he would have had to get licensing for that. Absolutely. I think, I think so. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's interesting because it seems like a bit bit of a disconnect. Yeah, I'd say. The pretenders. Again, I don't know the pretenders personally, but mm, the fact that their song, their song attached to that style of radio. By the way, the world is a much better place with Rush Limbaugh dead, that's for sure. Can you imagine now? Oh, 
Yeah, I mean, I, there's. Where do you want to go? I got like I, I showed you this. Like I, when we don't when we don't do a show, right? For a few days, it just kind of piles up. Like there's a bunch of stuff there, including some Trump stuff. I don't know. Do you want to? It's up to you because I got Trump stuff. I got that NFL story I wanted to talk to you about. By the way, how did the, well, the Bills yes, do it? The bills? There's lots of stuff. Off the top, we should mention tentative deal reached with the writers. Right. In the United States, the hey, writers strike, which is huge. Hey, Fred. It really is. Fred, huh? I'm sorry to interrupt. Did, did you hear me? Well, how did the Bills do yesterday? Um, they won like 37 to 3 or something. Against in Washington. Who? Okay, I watched good. it. Yeah. And? It was 36 3 or 37. Did Josh Allen show up again? Oh, yeah, had a good game. Yeah, played well. Okay. Um, yeah, the writer's strike tentatively over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have uh, much more. Uh, I've got a couple of little details about that. What do you know about it? Well, the actors are still out, but it's a tentative agreement and uh, it has to be ratified. And if it is, uh, the talk shows could be returning by the end of the week. They're all poised and ready to go. Mm. You know, through that, I was going to mention that last week, too, because Bill Maher was going to bring back uh, real time. Without writers. And yeah, he I heard that. Do the, he was just going to do the panel stuff and not do anything that involved writers. But after what, uh, what's her head, uh, Drew Barrymore had gone through, he sort of backtracked and said, okay, I'm not going to bring the show back on any level. Because Drew Barrymore did it, or said she was going to, and she ended up in tears, like crying, like apologizing on social media. But anyway... Um, he had backtracked and said he wasn't going to do it, but that's a show that I enjoy every Friday night, and I enjoy my Jimmy Kimmel bits on YouTube, too, which I haven't seen in months, so hopefully by the end of the week, as long as these people are looked after and they're happy with their deal, which, again, has to be ratified this week, uh, it could all come back by the end of the week. That'd be very good. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I mean, the writer's strike, I don't know. Like, that's why I say if you had any details, because I don't really know if they got what they wanted. Uh, but I guess after, it's been going on since May. So, obviously, they were starting to feel some of the pinch of it. Oh, you would think. And, I mean, it helps so many other people that, you know, people that aren't writers were sucked mm-hmm. into it as well. And that was the position of some of these shows, like Bill Maher. His position was, yeah, I feel I feel bad for the writers, but there's even more people now on the sidelines not working, not paying their bills and their mortgages because the writers are out on strike. So anyway, um, usually when you get these tentative agreements, they're usually ratified. And as you just said, as it's gone on so long that. Part of it may be the ratification will come through starvation. So. Well, yeah, absolutely. The um, I, now I also I don't I don't have it in front of me, but I saw it on the subject of strikes. The um, Canadian auto workers. This isn't the American strike. Didn't the Canadian auto workers reach a deal? Ford. Ford reached a deal fifteen percent over three years, is what I read this morning. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I was reading that story yesterday. It's shocking how much more Canadian auto workers make than American auto workers. Um, because, you know, there's a showdown going on in the United States right now. It's, you know, uh, the workers in the States, in particular here in Canada, too, sacrifice so much. Remember back when they threw all that money at the auto industry, when they thought it was going under? 2008 2009 whatever it was and now the workers are just saying hey come on we got to do some catch up here and they don't want to and uh 
but then reading through that, I mean, there's a lot more catch-up that needs to be done in the States than there is in Canada, from mm-hmm. what I understand. Yeah, interesting that we... Interesting. <laughs> I guess not surprising that we take care... We're more uh, liberal as a society, socialist as a society, so is it surprising? I'll throw it back at you that we pay our unionized workers better sometimes i hear people talk about the united states and always oh, you move to the states less tax and everything if you took the time almost every economic indicator canadians are better off than americans in this horribly socialist country mm-hmm. in which we live we are we own more property we have more personal wealth we're basically healthier yeah healthier educated our- better educated on and on and on have more money in the bank have more assets more of us percentage own homes like on right down the list but because you can get a bucket of bud light for you know 15 bucks in florida it's the greatest place on earth Mm -hmm. often that's what it comes down (laughs) it is Mm -hmm. yeah you know i used to do a bit back in the 80s when i was doing comedy living in america I lived in the States for a few years, a few people don't know, and I would go around and do my little comedy shows in different cities. And, you know, I used to do this thing about, I'd come back to Canada and say, you know, everyone, and I, this, this bit goes back seriously to the Ronald Reagan era, where I made the premise was, you know, we don't think we have stupid people here in Canada. We do. We just don't have as many because right. of the factor of 10. Well, I'm mm-hmm. about to, so, and we've made this point on our show. Many times, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, we hammer away at, you even said it earlier this morning about, you know, the poor Billy Bob and whatever, but we have them here in Canada. Of course we do. Yes. So as a segue, uh, I've someone, I saw this, someone send this to me on my Twitter feed or direct message. Um, apparently October 4th and 5th are, is, is a big day for the Canadian QAnon people. So here's a woman warning us about what's about what's to come down October 4th and 5th here in Canada. Hi, everybody. We're Sunday, the 24th of uh, September. Sorry. Just wanted to say that um, it's very important to take all your electronical things, anything that can have Bluetooth or smart TV, smartphone, anything that is smart that can get a signal from the, sorry, that can get a signal from a signal the, the 5G towers, which, by the way, should be put down. So these are part of the QAnon people in Canada. The 5G towers are sending us signals. But wait, wait, there's only about 30 more seconds. Everywhere, the 5G towers, because on the 4th of October, they're going to send a signal from there that can destroy everyone. So what you should do is take aluminum foil and, aluminum. and wrap them up and put them in your vehicle 200 meters away from your home. And also take a place in your house, a room in your house, and put aluminum foil two, three times layers in that place and stay there from the 4th to the 5th of October. Okay, so we won't be working for you humble and Fred people. We will not be working on the 4th and 5th of October. So Electronical. We'll be, yeah, we're going to take our aluminum, our aluminum foil. You know, that's like 
you'd almost think that's a joke. Like, that's a bit. Like, that's uh, so far out there. You know, these... Sometimes I think these people want this stuff to be truth as an excuse for fail, other failures in their lives. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like, it's the man's fault. It's government's fault. Because I don't have what I want or... I'm not in the position I think I should be in. It's everybody else's fault. So, I mean, they just grab at this stuff. Like, she's serious. No, yeah. Like, I mean, where does that come from? That's got to be a guy banging this stuff out on a computer, laughing his ass off as he's doing it, knowing that these morons will eat it up. Well, you'd think so. Um you know, and again, somebody said that to me, and I just looked at it thinking, you know, you're right. We, 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 don't, we don't spend enough time on the stupid people that we have in Canada because uh-huh. it's not just the Americans and their weird. Like, I, I just saw something quickly on television last night about the QAnon movement in the States and how they, there are a lot of people there that still believe that, you know, JFK Jr. is somehow in hiding and he's going to come back. Apparently, there was some thing at Dealey Plaza over the weekend where they were going to all meet. But I mean, I'm in a way, it's easy to make fun of it, but it's, it's sad, actually. It's people well, have given up their lives for this. Yeah. You know, this whole freedom of speech thing, uh, thing in the States, First Amendment, whatever. You know, in Canada, we still have those broadcasting laws that you can't do what they do in the States. You can't become extreme one way or the other with your airwaves. Mm. Um but see, because of social media now, it used to be we sort of we were sort of protected from that. You would have to listen to American radio, American broadcasting. Well, now with social media, there's no boundaries, right? So these people in Canada, a lot of that influence comes through the United States. That's not to make any excuses for Canadians. But you know what I mean? Some of this wild shit, it's coming out of the United States through social media. And they're just hopping on the bandwagon. They just, they like it. That's the way they want to go. They yeah. love that profile. Well, yeah, exactly. And I've often mm. thought this, and I'm sure we've said it before, we, we, we need a new noise for that because we say that a lot, too. I, I know we've said this a million times, you know. But there's a certain kind of Canadian, convoy people, fuck Trudeau people, Mm-hmm. That look to what's going on there and wish they had MAGA here, which I find very curious. But again, you know, there's obvious, you know, in Canada, yes, you know, you said the 10 factor. I think per capita, we're probably less than they are too, only because of our culture and our, and again, our broadcast laws for whatever use they serve now. But. There are racists here too, and again, and again, and I've seen, I've said it before. No, I've said it. said it. Racism and intolerance is the basis uh, basis of all of this stuff. Oh yeah, in getting your country back in some way that you think you've lost it. Um, so yeah, those people are here in Canada. Obviously, they are. That stop again, that uh, Trudeau took in, uh, I think it was Belleville this summer, and people were remember that guy that was screaming at him. Yes. So, so I can't remember what the uh, text was, but he was like screaming, 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 something, something Jews. 
<laughs> which which made me laugh is like he's yelling at the prime minister and it doesn't take long in any racist rant to end up with something something the juice um you've opened that door let me say this i'm loving my justin trudeau over the past few days though him calling out the indian government for that murder in bc oh yeah that took balls it really did and I really admire him for that because, again, the basis of the liberal survival in Canada often is the ethnic vote, yep. the immigrant vote. It is. But he called them out and he went face to face, toe to toe with them. And I'm so happy about that because I'll tell you, a big threat to this country in the future is going to be political battles in other countries being fought in canada mm-hmm. you got to watch that because i can see it here in brampton there's people driving around with cars and big signs in the back windows about some election some seek thing going on in india right now and it's like wow and i know there's just as many people here in brampton of other religions that as much as those Sikh people want this guy elected or this i i can't even tell you what it is as much as they want him there's another faction here in Brampton that do not want him. Right. If you're bringing your political battles from your homeland to Canada, that's a big problem. And that's why I was very happy to see Trudeau do what he did, because we don't need that shit here. Something else happened. I just I don't have it in front of me. So if you're listening and you know or you're on Facebook, apparently people are up in arms about some former Nazi from World War Two. That was feted somehow, applauded in Parliament. Again, we, you know, we, we, we're always accused of talking so much about U.S. politics, but there's some stuff here. That Indian stories won. This uh, World War II thing, I, I just sort of breezed by it this morning. What's that one all about? Well, the, uh, Zelensky was here. Right. And he addressed Parliament. I- interesting, too, eh? Kevin McCarthy would not let him speak to Congress. No, I know. Nice. What a fucking douche. Oh, fuck, what a, he's such a spineless jellyfish excuse for a little man, I'll tell you. He's sickening. Yeah, anyway. and by, by the way, I think this gives us um, a good bit of balance because we've taught, we're, we're talking about Canadian issues right now. Stupid people, mm-hmm. Parliament, Trudeau, Indians. So when we do segue to some Trump McCarthy stuff, it's all yeah. about the balance. Well, Zelensky addressed Parliament, and there was some MPP from up north, MP, not MPP, MP from up north, that had found out that some 98-year-old guy that lived in his riding had fought with some Ukrainian division years right, ago right. during the Second World War. <laughs> right? So he carts the guy down and sits him there, this 98-year-old guy, and he is, hey, this guy here, this Canadian fought for Ukraine in the Second World War or whatever division or whatever it was. <laughs> Shit. And then in retrospect, they find out that that actual division of the Ukrainian army were Nazis. They were working with the Nazis and um, committed some atrocities that um, are not very nice. And, and again, it was a horrible mistake. The guy didn't do his research. Of course, the 98-year-old guy isn't going to say, oh, by the way, you know what? I, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I did fight. I fought with Ukraine, but FYI, <laughs> just a little, hey, just a heads up, I was a, na- <laughs> I was right. a Nazi. So in retrospect now, they have found out that this guy, the division he was part oh, of, was good, like an arm of the Nazis yeah. or something. So obviously the shit hit his... Shit has hit the fan. If honestly, if the guy knew that, he wouldn't have brought him. Well, down. and that's the thing, and that's that's yeah. part of the reason I breeze by because I'm like, 
no one did it on purpose. No one said, hey, I've got a great idea. <laughs> I know what we'll do. Let's cart an old na- northern uh, Ontario Nazi down here. To, to like, and, and again, the opposition is all up in arms and everyone's like, how dare you? And, and yeah. they should shut it all down. But, you know, the guy that did it, did it the, the MP that did it, mm-hmm. was doing it out of trying to make a to be respectful or to show a yeah. supporter ukrainian someone that fought with ukraine but uh you think the 98 year old on the way down from north bay or whatever like uh hey this is great old. and what did you do in uh, world war ii well i was like a you know mm-hmm. a nazi pardon me mm-hmm. <laughs> to me like do you, you're you're somewhere like a couple hours from toronto and he tells you that you're or ottawa and he tells you that you're like well it's fucking too late now how did people <laughs> find that out by the way I don't know. It just takes one person to go, wait a second. What he, where is he from? Wait a second. Uh, I, I got to check something out here. That's the best. And they did. And, and yeah, one thing led to another. And now, which what was a nice day with Zelensky here in a dressing parliament? Yeah, it yeah. was a fuzzy feel-good thing. It's just gone completely south now. It's unfortunate. But, but can't, people just, can't people just... Is there no part of anyone that's just, I mean, again, as a, a man, a Hebrew man, it doesn't offend me. If I'm, a, no one knew, no one did it on purpose. No one wanted to disrespect people from World War. You know, no one was trying to get one over on anyone else. No, I know. But it just shows, you know, it also displays here in Canada how more and more our politics is becoming a team game like it is in the United States. Well, I you would know, argue it's push. always been a team game, but not like it has not like I know what you're saying, but you know, no, I, I'm saying like maybe what you're saying that takes some logic that takes some thought and logic going. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, you know, the liberals did that and I'm a conservative, but I, I understand how that would happen. Let's move on. Not anymore. You know what I mean? It's got you got to dig in, even though, you know, the critics of this know deep down what you just said from a logical standpoint. It's like, oh, yeah, look, like, like cut them. Yes. Yeah. It was a mistake. Exactly. You don't you don't do that anymore. Yeah. You just dig in. <laughs> well, you that's the in. thing, though. Is like even the people that are like all again, all making a big fuss over this. They got to know in their hearts. It's not like the liberals went. I have a great idea. Let's yeah. get see if we can dig up an old Nazi. Bring mm-hmm. him down here. <laughs> like, no one wanted. No one wanted no. that. I, okay, well, listen. Let's brainstorm. Let's whiteboard this. What would be great when Zelensky's here? I know. Let's get some yeah. Nazis. Uh, speaking of one thing leading to another, Fred. Um, let's uh, take a second here and just have a little palate cleanser before we talk about those idiots south of the border. Uh, let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about these fine people. Uh, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. If you have a small business, having a benefits plan can be done. Go to chamberplan.ca today. You can get a free quote. And just know, I mean, the, listen, you have a small business. The cost of things is the first thing you have to think about. What is this going to cost me? You know, can I deal with it? Well, just know, and as Brett Tanner, our buddy from the Chamber Plan, has told us on many occasions, they've done a great job on holding the line on premium in- increases year to year. In fact, uh, very, very um, doable for small business. Of course, they keep that in mind. They're not going to price you out once you're in. Come on, think about it. 
Anyway, it's dental, it's uh, prescriptions, it's therapies. They have an HR department. They have a, a mental health aspect. Um, a couple of apps where you can go and get help, you know, in real time. It's fantastic. And uh, again, can be done for your small business. Go to uh, chamberplan.ca. There's a badge there. It says get a free quote. You get all the information you need. Just take it from there. It's the Chambers Plan. Chamberplan.ca. How about this for a magical uh, mineral that is in the following items? Everything from roofing materials to fiberglass insulation to tooth and denture products, sheets, bed coverings, and clothing contain it. It's also used in detergents, laundry boosters, and bleaches. Batteries, computers, heat shields, and medicines. I'm talking, of course, about boron. I don't want to bore you with this, but I'm telling you, I had a great talk with Tim Daniels about the mine they're developing in Serbia. And it's definitely worth a look-see. It's uh, difficult to comprehend, actually, the variety of uses of boron in construction, manufacturing, medicine, science, and so forth. And, uh, you know... I got a real education the other day talking to Tim. You know, it's the, the chances of a mine or a company ever getting a mine to the point that Boron 1 is at is literally one in thousands. But once you get to the place where you're ready to start developing and bringing material out of the ground, it really does increase your chances of success. And that's where Boron 1 is right now. Learn about them. Find, about the, find out about their story at boron1.com. So a lot of stuff happening in U.S. politics. We all had that story last week about Lauren Boebert getting groped, having one of her titties groped in a musical and then grabbing some dick uh, while watching. You know, she got all excited. She's now gone on a bunch of shows and somewhat kind of apologized and said, hey, I've been out of the dating scene for... 20 plus years, etc. And I, there was no infrared cameras. And, you know, what else can you do? You know, like she, as much as I think she's a twit, I guess she did what you're supposed to do in politics, which is kind of apologize, admit it. You know, she, you know, she's a 36 year old woman that happened to get all horned up with her boyfriend in a show. And, you know, you can think about it, however inappropriate it was. Uh, she's not denying it now. And and uh, so that's one thing from last week. You mentioned Kevin McCarthy and the trouble they're having there. Passing this uh, continuation of the government. They're about to shut the uh, U.S. government down in the next six or seven days. And uh, how it ties into Ukraine is there's a, a big part of the U.S. political landscape that actually doesn't want to support Ukraine, comma, Someone is supporting Russia over this. And I find that, I'm throwing this to you now, I find that very curious. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know what to make of it. Because um, as Zelensky said while he was here, he said it's not just Ukraine. You know, Putin's a madman. You know, if Ukraine falls, what's next? And again, you think, oh, geez, you know, you know, he just wants Ukraine back. Who knows? I mean, who knows? 
I, and I, I don't know what on on what level you could support Russia. It's one thing, you know, to be a little concerned with the money that's being thrown at Ukraine. But what other choice do you have? And I heard on the weekend, you know, the billions of dollars they've sent to Ukraine is something like 2% of the overall yearly defense budget for the United States. And in some ways, it's actually good for the United States to spend that money because it's part of their defense, too. If they stop Putin now, it's less money and less toil and less soldiers, maybe, if there's ongoing conflict. Hey, listen, if NATO is threatened, then there's going to be boots on the ground in Europe with mm-hmm. Americans. Do you want that? So spend the money now and maybe prevent that. I mean, again, it's also curious the other wing douche Marjorie Taylor Greene was on uh, some conservative talk shows last week literally saying things like, you know, Ukraine is, is sex trafficking kids and mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like, and there's their need, they're Nazis. I just find it very um, disturbing. And I don't know all the details about what's going on, but um, I do know that it's, it's strange for me as a 63-year-old who's lived his whole life, you know, with the United States, his big enemy, you know, being the Russians, actually hearing conservative politicians mm-hmm. sort of de facto defending Russia. It's just weird. No, I know it's... But, but again, it's the, the whole team thing. You know what I mean? The the Democrats are in power right now, and they're the ones, you know, okaying the money on you know whatever level the yeah. the the president has to sign off on it. So again, that faction is against it. I mean, you talk about them shutting down the American government. It's like six people. It's Matt yeah. Gates. It's it's her. Uh, it may be Bobert and, and a handful of others. And, you know, Kevin McCarthy, he could alleviate this by turning to Democrats and getting them to side with them or giving up something to Democrats so that the, but he won't do that because he doesn't want to lose his job. Because mm-hmm. if he does that, then that faction of the Republican Party, the whack jobs, will un- try to unseat him. And apparently they can. Yeah, I, so I don't all, understand. It's all so much self-interest, man. It's unbelievable. And I bring this up time and time again. I know I've said it before, but the people that support the Republican Party and the Conservative Party here in Canada, although it's not the same. Let me strike that last part. The people that support the Conservative Party, the Republicans in the states, the ones that are most would be are most affected by their policies. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that are most that would benefit the most from supporting a socialist, more a more socialist leaning policy. Because they're the ones being left behind. Those people don't give a shit about, as you say, Billy Bob and Billy Bob Land. No, they're not doing anything. They're not doing. There's no policies being enacted that make their lives better. When they talk about the you know big government and tax breaks, they're not giving tax breaks to the you know the people in the at the bottom of the chain. Yeah. Well. And speaking of which, those bullshit tax cuts that apparently Trump was responsible for didn't help the guy in the middle at all. Um, he's under the impression, apparently, he's in the background fueling this fire from the whack job fringe mm-hmm. that he wants the government shut down because he's under the impression that if the government shuts down, all these lawsuits of against him could dissolve <laughs> or go yeah. away, which isn't true, apparently. No, of course not. But he's again, he 
some of the stuff I've seen that he writes on Truth Social, like at one o'clock in the morning, like he's losing his mind. Right? He's terrified of going to jail. So he doesn't care about anybody else or anything else. All he cares about is staying out of jail. And now he's under the impression that if the government shuts down, somehow he'll be able to maneuver his way out of the lawsuits. But again, time after time after time, lawyers and people that know the law in the United States go, no, that's not the way it works. They will continue. No, I, yeah, the, the, there's been so many things I've read this weekend that um, it's like, his, it's almost his understanding of how government works. Again, I don't know if I've told you, I've read some books about, about Donald Trump. It doesn't surprise me because he really doesn't understand how no. the, act, the system works. Just by what you just said, he literally thinks, well, they shut the government down. Obviously, the all the lawsuits have to go away. Like, how fucking dumb do you have to be? And another thing that's lost on conservatives and these Trumpers down there, all these again, all the witnesses are Republicans. A lot of this stuff has been brought forward by a lot of the, you know, the people that have um come out and testified like against him and again have become witnesses have become part of these lawsuits are republicans nobody they 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 rarely mention this that big judge he's a huge conservative judge this luttig guy yeah yeah you know he's the guy that wants to initiate this 14th amendment thing not to get too deep here that what he did on january 6th disqualifies him as a candidate for the presidency yeah that's a that's that, that that isn't some left-wing democrat judge this was a staunch hard right republican judge one of these guys that have stood back and go this man's destroying the country he's destroying our party let's do something now and again you line up all the people that have contributed information against donald trump they're all republican they're all right wing it's not democrat that's not the left and that, that that seems to have no impact on the people that still continue to be sick of fans. So, yeah, all of that is uh, much agreement with you. So Cassidy Hutchison is the aide who Mark Meadows, who test, uh, testified uh, during the January 6th committee about her, you know, what she observed on uh, around Mark Meadows and. Mm-hmm. The um, the behavior of the president at the time, etc. So she revealed in her new book, which I'm going to read, she revealed that um, the president orange face, he wears all this bronzer. We all know that. Mm-hmm. That's another thing mm-hmm. that drives me crazy. All these mm-hmm. people in rural America. They, they they know that this man is wearing makeup because you can see it in a million pictures of, you know, when he sweats, there's orange on his collar. He's wearing bronzer. So think about this. And again, I know I've said this before. One of the things I would love to be is around 50 years from now when they're when they're discussing this era of U.S. politics, because this man, because of his vanity, he didn't want to wear a mask. Did you hear this, Dan? Daniel. Anyway, he didn't want to wear a mask because he did it. It it smudged off his bronzer. Dan, did you hear that? I did. I, I laughed at that. But, well, it, it is. It's it's laughable. But when you consider the influence the president had 
and would have had. Imagine Obama. Imagine Biden. Imagine Hillary during the pandemic modeling behavior for the citizenry because that's what that is. Because most people, as we've said a thousand times, most people aren't you know, don't get into the weeds the way we do. All they see is an image. And what they saw was an image of the president at the time not wearing a mask. So I don't think it's hyperbole to state many people died because they didn't wear a mask, because they saw the behavior of the commander in chief and that killed thousands of people. Is that a fair statement? I think it is. Well, if you read that story, he was touring the 3M company or who made the masks. Right. And they thought this is good. They make the masks and he's there to promote masks. So he should wear a mask. And then while he was wearing it, it started to bother him because I guess he saw some of the bronze around the mask and he ripped it off. And behind the scenes, I'm not wearing this fucking thing. Why didn't you tell me I would have to do this? So it was all about vanity. Yeah. He just, you know, he... He didn't like the way he looked in a mask and what it was doing to his makeup, so he took it off, and then he came up with some excuse, and, well, they understood there at the company why I did that. And, just, but he never wore it. Forget the company. Story. Think about it. Yeah. Forget the company. All through those early months of COVID, you know, yeah. flatten the curve months, mm-hmm. where we were all freaked the fuck out, and, and all politicians here in Canada, Trudeau, all of them were wearing masks. As I, as I said, modeling behavior for the citizenry is what that job is entails. So you think about that. When are they going to when and, and forget the fact that he's a convicted rapist and all this. Other, but mm-hmm. think about the thousands of people that he's responsible for their deaths because mm-hmm. of his fucking vanity over wearing bronzer. And yet he is the leading, he's the leading candidate in that party. Yeah, by a long shot. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to fathom. And again, it comes back to that question we posed last week. Like, why? You know what I mean? What is so empty about that country? What is so, what is missing within the culture and the structure of that country that they're turning to him? Like, what happened? What went wrong? Again, I convinced it's racism and wanting their country back the way it was 50 years ago or whatever but no it's unbelievable although i'll tell you one i wish i was howard stern today oh yes i really do because can you imagine if it was commercial radio i mean you have that payment you know barrier to interest entrance with uh howard stern i mean to hear what howard have to say if you're not a serious xm listener today i mean you'd have to buy a subscription but can you imagine commercial radio how many people in the united states are out right now are going what's howard gonna <laughs> that's right say I know. today what yeah. is howard gonna say today when you have this pig donald trump lashes out at at howard stern over the weekend even saying he's ugly oh yeah this is great he said the real howard now remember this where the context comes from is that uh trump was a frequent guest on Stern mm-hmm. over the years, talking about sex and mm-hmm. being lewd and fucking mm-hmm. just. To, but and Stern loved the guy 
Great mm-hmm. guest, as, her, as Stern has said many times. Trump says the real Howard Stern is a weak, pathetic, and disloyal guy who lost his friends and much of his audience. I did his show many times in the good old days, and then he went woke, and nobody cares about him anymore. Uh, just a broken weirdo, <laughs> unattractive, both inside and out, trying like hell to be relevant. And, I, and he, if he was on this morning, he start, he's already started. I guarantee you that's all he's talked about today. Oh, no. Can talk about handed, uh, being handed some gold. Holy cow. I mean, yeah. Listen, I, I, I'll, I'll be listening. I want to hear what he has. Oh, yeah. Same with me. I'm gonna, as soon as the show's over, I'm going to turn it on. <laughs> and you can know what that, with on the app, you have the feature of going back to the beginning. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm going to do that. Yeah, I just yeah, you're right. He'll probably spend most of the morning on it. I mean, why wouldn't he? And Trump better watch what he's doing there because you know, Howard Stern, say what you want about him, he's still pretty influential. I think what, there's like twenty million subscribers or something. Oh yeah. Yeah, think about that gift. He's got Howard he Howard Stern has got Donald Trump chirping him, as the kids like to say. (laughs) We've got Gordon Kennedy. (laughs) <laughs> we got we got one guy. We got one guy who's like fuck anyway. Well, it is what it is, but uh and I what I I I don't know what happened. I I I think it's a collective thing why Trump lost it on and apparently that was like 1 a.m. in the morning or yeah. something on Friday, whatever. He finally lost it on Stern because Stern doesn't spend a lot of time on Trump, but he he just keeps asking questions like, like logical questions about Trump. Like none of this makes sense. Like, why do people still support this guy? Look at look at what he's what we do. Yeah, and I guess it's gotten back to the orange man. And he's well, he's losing control because he's terrified of going to jail. So that Stern just happened to be one of his latest uh, targets. He went on a tweet rage at like one or two in the morning mm-hmm. about Stern, about a bunch of other things. He wants to fire the Joint Chiefs of Staff and wants, you know, like, here's the thing, America, if this guy gets back in. He's going to he's threatened now. I just wrote it down. He's threatened to shut down news channels. Mm hmm. He is uh, called to terminate the Constitution, uh, threatened to execute the Joint Chiefs of Staff, um, sexually assaulted more than 26 women, including being convicted of rape, is out on bail, by the way, in four different jurisdictions, 91 felony accounts, and this is the leading candidate for president of the U.S., and if that and the doesn't irony t- is he he talks about being attacked like this is um, you know trying to influence an election. A lot of the things that he's done, even the way he's attacked these judges and everything, if he was a common man, he'd be in jail for what he's done. Well, yeah. In re- since being since being indicted for his behavior, he would be in jail. So all the stuff he's talking about, he's being targeted and it's not fair. Well, you know what? It isn't fair. It isn't fair to the common man. You should you should be in jail right now. And, and again, I hate to praise the guy, but one of the most brilliant things he's done with all these indictments is when he's doing his rallies, he has this phrase. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to get it right, but the, the gist of it is they're coming for you and I'm standing in the way. Mm-hmm. 
Wait a minute. I'm not. What do you mean they're coming for me? I didn't. I'm not indicted in 91 fucking indictments. Yeah. Yeah. They're not coming. I didn't sexually assault a bunch of women, but that's what he says. They're coming for you, America, and <laughs> I'm standing in their way. It's pretty good, that one. It's pretty good. Um, well, we've got a few minutes before our uh, interview. Um, and as a palate cleanser, and this is, go ahead, Dan. Oh, I was just going to go back to a couple of things that we were talking about earlier in the show. Okay. So one, Fred asked about the Danforth Music Hall. Uh, it was built in 1910 as a movie theater. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then became the music hall somewhere in the 70s when they... Uh, and then, by the way, Alan's on the Danforth is, is in honor of the original owner of the... Uh, of the Danforth Music Hall was the Allen Theater chain, and it was mm. called Allen Danforth originally. Anyway, excellent with that. Also, you're talking about uh, uh, Rush Limbaugh. There is a uh, on the media podcast series from uh, National Public Radio. Uh, if you go to on the media's website, there it's called the Divided Dial. Episode four goes all over how how Rush Limbaugh became so popular in the American uh, uh, in the entire continent basically and and it had there's a lot of things that happened before it uh to lead up to his uh, his populism mm-hmm. and the extremism that is mm-hmm. in the uh, in the united states it's really revealing it's an interesting series to well it's very cool man ronald reagan is responsible for where we're at because of that he, uh, act yeah the he, fairness he, doctrine he, yeah the fairness doctrine the equal time thing um which we still have in Canada here. Thank goodness. Uh, Dan, and the thing is, people think, you know, that's overreach and that's being, you know, that's squashing on freedom of expression. But, you know, sometimes human beings are so ridiculous, they need some rules. Yeah, exactly. And that's a good one. Uh, Dan, there's been a development in the last 30 seconds while you were uh, filling in those blanks so eloquently. Uh, our Music Matters guest has arrived. So uh, can you, because it's going to be a short-ish interview. So yeah, we'll can, you, can you give us a couple of seconds? You don't have yeah. to. You, you could just uh, hang out. Just you know, uh, you know, just hang out. I could use a little mental music. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm not a hundred percent sure if it's Adamin or a Tamin. Darcy is uh, this gentleman. Is the founder and CEO of Make Music Matters. And uh, hey, Darcy, is it is it Adamin or a Tamin? Uh, the first one, Adaman. Darcy Adaman's with us, and uh, thanks for joining us. I know you couldn't get on until now, um, but uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Just, um, you know, in a nutshell, this is, uh, and people want more information right away. You can go to makemusicmatters.org. What is Make Music Matters? Uh, Make Music Matters is an international NGO, and what we've done was we pioneered a new form of music therapy called healing and harmony. And that's to heal extreme trauma uh, out of survivors in different war-torn areas around the world, Africa, Latin America, Middle East, and now in Canada with our indigenous populations. And what does that mean exactly? Therapy, music and therapy, like give an example. Well, a lot of the places we work and, and even the intergenerational trauma in our indigenous populations here, it is so entrenched that actually trying to extract the trauma to heal it can re-traumatize. And what we've learned in our research and, and our methodology is that uh, music, and in particular the metaphor, the lyric writing when you're composing a song, is a way to ac- access that trauma, bring it to the surface in a way that doesn't re-traumatize. Mm-hmm. 
So once the musical process brings it to the surface, you can set a treatment pathway for it. So are these programs, maybe you can describe the sort of mechanics of the programs and how it brings people uh, together with the people who need the help. Yeah, what we actually do is build little recording studios wherever we work in the world. And sometimes that can mean constructing our own building in a rural area of Congo. Sometimes that means putting solar panels on a land cruiser with a studio and driving through little villages. Or um, like in uh, Kui and Cree Nation, northern Alberta, we have a portable studio that goes in a van from, from school to school. So we set up the little studio and the participants come in usually once or twice a week for an hour and they stay in their group. So they bond and stay as a group. They work with the local music producer in tandem with a local psychologist. So while with the producer, they're going through the creative process, just like any other artist mm. writing, recording an album, mm. the psychologist is there to make sure of like, oh, I see something that happened. Okay, I'm going to make note of that. And then here, here is my cognitive behavioral therapy way of treating that. And we kind of blend the two processes together and in quite a seamless way. It's really fascinating because people don't come in thinking they're going for their therapy appointment per se. They're treated as an artist and they come in excited and wanting oh. to participate while that's occurring. The therapy can occur at the same time in tandem without it being noticed. So it's really effective that way. So if I'm following this correctly, I've honestly, before you came out, I was under the impression it was like, oh, somebody is suffering from trauma, mental illness, whatever, depression, and you're just going to play some music for them to make them feel better. But this is a lot more proactive. This is more the creative standpoint. Exactly. The no, yeah. Exactly it. The, the All the participants who we deem as artists from day one to help mm-hmm. rebuild their self-worth from, from day one, they are the creators of this music. So at the end of the program, they actually get a completed album that they can <laughs> be proud of. And I'm curious, uh, Darcy, how do you identify participants? Like, how do, do people apply? And how do you know... Again, excuse the you know clunkiness of this question, but how do you identify somebody that you believe needs this help, and how do you sort of work it that they just happen to be musicians? Yeah, what we do is all it's it's a little bit uh, more difficult this way, but we always work through local partners. So wherever we work in the world, the local staff are indigenous to that community and because we work through the local partners they know the they're integrated into a larger holistic care system so for example it might be in africa overseas where we're embedded with a local partner who is a hospital and those patients come in and then they know the intake and they know okay this person had this atrocity done Hmm. they go to africa to your program or indigenous communities they they know with the schools you know, which are the, the children, sadly, that need the need to be addressed. So it's already they, they, the, the, the participants have already, are already in some kind of uh, program where they're receiving or potential potentially receiving help. But then how do you identify somebody who's receiving help that is also a musician? Well, we try not to exclude that. We want a really low barrier to entry on purpose. So for the most part, the way we work is the producer will help build the tracks uh, with virtual software in the computer, and the participants are, are singing. That has changed a little bit in our operations in Canada, but what we want to make sure is that there's no barrier to entry. Mm. So whether you are an active musician or not actually doesn't make a difference to the level of therapy you get. So even our research has demonstrated that 
that's why we work in a group. So if you're in a group and you're too, you're just not a strong singer or you don't feel comfortable doing it, but you held your friend's hand while she sang at the microphone, our outputs and research has demonstrated psychologically it's the same benefit. Wow. We just want to make sure again, that it's equal to everybody. So how long you been doing this? Like how, like where did the seed of this idea come from and when, and how is it financed? Like how do you manage to actually pull it off? (laughs) Those are all great questions. Um, It's, uh, you know, in a short answer, it started, I believe it was 2011. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was with a group in Rwanda for five weeks recording and filming a documentary, recording an album, film documentary. We had a one, one day off in a five week period. And we took the local equipment to um, a local school in the rural hills of Rwanda to do some, just some fun recording. And when we got there, we found out that the community had been waiting for three hours for us to show up. The school room was packed. They knew the lyrics, the latest rap songs, even though no, electricity mm-hmm. in the huts in Rwanda. So we knew that music was a spark there. And what they wrote about was all things that they were too scared to talk about, but they were comfortable singing about it. All the taboo subjects about HIV AIDS, for example, in that community at the time. So that was a spark to realize we have something here. And then it took honestly about five years of testing because the medical intervention to do it uh, mm-hmm. properly in launch, which was in 2015. And, and the funding comes from where? It, it's various sources. So, um, you know, you have uh, the grant system. So Global Affairs Canada and other, other grantors. You're doing fundraising. You're talking to people just who are, you know, maybe have a lot of money that want to donate. Mm-hmm. But any charity, any NGO in this sector is, you know, it's, it's constantly fundraising in, in every way possible. And um, what about Ukraine? Have Have you got to the point where... You've dealt with that situation at all or had been there? Um, I'd been there in a separate uh, Mm. project last summer myself personally, and we've had conversations with people there. A lot of that issue and, and, you know, our mandate is to help heal anyone in the world that has this trauma that needs to go on with their life. Mm -hmm. It comes down to the opportunity to set up. Uh, healing and a harmony installation and and you know do do the work a lot of that comes down to funding um, in terms of ukraine uh, i we have to wait still a little bit so it stabilizes to the extent where we can do that aftercare right mm-hmm. right right now unfortunately and again i was there personally my last summer myself with the active uh the combat going on it's just a little too difficult to get something like that to stick you stay out of the way you make sure there there's food and shelter and hopefully it calms down enough that we can do the healing afterwards Using the creative process as a therapeutic tool to heal trauma and help empower marginalized voices is the top line. But uh, thanks for uh, elaborating. Music, makemusicmatter.org is uh, where you, if you feel uh, compelled to uh, help out. And uh, what an interesting topic. Thanks for uh, taking some time. Makemusicmatter.org. Darcy Adaman, appreciate you, my friend. My pleasure. Thank you so much. See, we can, I don't know what you heard about us, but we can have a conversation, you know? Absolutely. (laughs) And I I invite you, go go to the website, makemusicmatter.org. We just released Friday our first song from uh, our community in Canada and Kiwi and Cree Nation. It's called Moments. I invite you all to check it out, please. Absolutely, Darcy. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. There you go. Thanks. There's Darcy Adamant. And I went right to the uh, site, and there's, okay, is it? Yeah. 
Nick, what, stay here for a second. Is it the, um, listen now. What's the, what's the song you want us to, what's the uh, first thing you've, you've released? Moments. Oh, this is some, this is some, I can't, I don't know if I can get it right off the site. Well, I'll find it for you, ever, everybody. Just go to the site. Thanks, my friend. Take care, Darcy. Thanks, Darcy. Take care. Mm. Bye-bye. You know, people get up in the morning, you know, yeah. to do what good things for the world. So he's doing we good stuff. Try it some, I know. We should try it sometime. See, that's, I thought that, too. Like, there's a guy who's got a degree. He's a musician. He's a producer. Uh-huh. Well, he's doing stuff. I, I was thinking, too, a lot of Adele songs, right? The way she's been traumatized through all her relationships. It's, I guess she sings about it easier than she talks about it, because... You know, mm-hmm. that she's been quite, she's been through quite a bit in her relationships. Yes. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. Okay. I don't think it's the same, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Well, yeah. I just, you I know, know I just say what yeah, comes to mind. Yeah, I know you do. I know. Hey, listen, <laughs> not, not all of it's gold. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can compare, you know, children from a war torn country to what Adele's been through. She expresses herself yeah. through, yeah. through song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think the breakup of her boyfriend's the same as, you know, the children in a war torn country. But hey, you, you know, listen, you try, listen, you tried to do okay. a tie in. <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> do you? <laughs> you go stand in the fucking corner after that comment. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. 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 Hey, I got a joke for okay, you. Okay, where are we? <laughs> well, we'll discuss that after the program. Um, I've got a, a joke for you, too, that I, I saw this week, and I'm, I'm going to tell Dan and Fred because, uh, you know, it has to do with uh, campgrounds. Um, do you know why you can't run through a campground? You have to ran through it because it's past tense. I think I fucked oh, it's up. Past tense. It's past tense. Past <laughs> tense. That's excellent. Yeah, you you can't run. That. Yeah, I'll give that to Johnny. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah, can't. Yeah. You can't run through past a campground. Tense. You have to ran through it. Why? Because it's past tense. Excellent. Yeah. Where did you get that? <laughs> Some internet thing. Hmm. It's time for this. No. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hell of a big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now, live from girlfriend Lisa's house and the coffee-stained dining room table, here's movie anchorman and raconteur, Daniel Duran. Java, Joe, Go Juice, Rocket Fuel, Coffee, big part of our mornings. And we constantly hear about coffee studies. It's good for you and it's bad for you. And in the mental health space, a new study on is on both sides. Coffee good, coffee bad. Three cups of Java is good. Six cups is bad. This new study out of the UK published in Psychiatry Research last month, which is, I know, a, a, a magazine you guys are reading all the time. Mm. So I'm surprising you missed this. Yeah. It says that, that, that people who drink two to three cups of Joe a day have a lower risk of depression 
But those who drink more than six cups per day were more likely to develop depression. It's crazy. Caffeine, they think, is probably the factor that influences (laughs) mental health. So I guess watch out for all the energy drinks that have caffeine on it. Oh, I see. It's not just coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been a a coffee drinker of that? Six cups? No. Yeah. Never. Like, like where? Number... I guess those are people that have a coffee going all day. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't get it. Dan, you probably were the closest of the three of us to six cups of coffee. I, yeah, I, I push up against that, uh, that border all the time. Mm, really? Even now? Boundary. In your advanced yeah. years? Yeah. But I, but I don't know. They, they don't go into exactly, you know, like, like a, I usually enjoy a darker roast coffee, which has less caffeine in it. Yeah, but still six cups, Dan. That's like, 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 like a ride for help. Well, <laughs> I remember, you know, working at the radio stations and there was always the coffee maker. And then, you know, if you were there midday or I came back in the afternoon or whatever, split shifted. It was amazing how many people just wandered in and poured themselves a coffee, you know, later in the day. When personally, to me, coffee is a morning thing. I tend not to drink it later in the day. And I guess... If you just, you know, you're just pouring one all day long. It's uh, there's, a, I guess, a lot of people in office environments and stuff do that. As a matter of course of habit, but also, yeah. uh, I I started drinking. I hated the taste of coffee until I were started doing all night shows mm. at radio stations. Yeah, and then I hey, I hear that coffee, and uh, then I started. Uh, uh, drinking coffee and started liking coffee when I uh, moved to San Francisco because they had some amazing coffee in the day back, back there. I noticed I used to drink my coffee with half and half. The first one, I would love it. And the second one, okay. Wouldn't even consider a third cup of coffee. Just, I don't know. I lost my taste for it. Since I've become a black man, when I drink my coffee black, um, if I don't watch myself, I could keep drinking it beyond two. I don't, but I could. There's just... I don't know if it was the chalkiness or the, you know, the whatever the the cream, you know, effect that had, but just in in my mouth. But crisp black coffee, yeah, I could drink three or four if I let <laughs> yeah. myself. Yeah, so that's since you became a black man. Is that since when? I became yeah. a black man? <laughs> well, when we first started working together, you know, you're you used to yell at the interns. Oh, you know, I like it. And, uh, mm-hmm. That's by the way for people who didn't understand. That's do you know how I like it or do or you know how I like it was you a, know how I like yeah, it. you know how I like it. <laughs> so you used to uh, have it with uh, cream and sugar. At the, no, and, not sugar. no, not sugar. No, I gave up sugar in my teens. But I um and coffee. I never yeah. drank it uh, with cream. Probably I I'm the, I was going to say the most mm-hmm. I ever drank the most coffee I ever drank was doing the all night show. And then, of course, you you know you get off work at six a in the morning, and I uh, couldn't go to sleep right away. But I've mm-hmm. been off caffeine now with the odd day. I mean, the, it's not it's not like alcohol. I have coffee with caffeine in it once in a while, and it doesn't seem to bother me as, in terms of my heart. But uh, I can drink this. What is that stuff I have? I always forget the name of it. Not coffee tree, but uh, it's really good dark kicking kicking, kicking horse. horse. Thank you. Yeah. Kicking horse decaffeinated coffee, and I drink it black. Is uh, I can drink it all day because it's there's no caffeine, and I just like the taste of it. What about? Um, have you noticed not having caffeine, and your anxiety level has dropped? Because this report, Dan's talking it 
about I, I did see it and they talk about depression depression and anxiety two different things where you're more susceptible to depression if you have over six but the two or three in the day can add to your anxiety levels i know which you can understand I, I, because you know what caffeine does to you i know i you sleep better your anxiety I'm, levels no but i've noticed that my sleeping levels are way better like i just looked down on my clock my watch right now like i did 8.2 hours last night like that never used to happen oh, fuck you're a layabout Jeez. <laughs> absolutely i was beat well how many hours did you have let me just see Ooh, nine. Oh, I'm a layabout. <laughs> I had nine right on with uh, a little shy on my deep. I was 2.2. Well, I'm about there. It's supposed to be. I was, was 2.4. I haven't had nine hours sleep in my life. I will say this. The people that drink coffee after dinner, I always thought that was weird. I know people love it like an after dinner coffee or a Spanish coffee back in the day where they would add alcohol to it. I've never been able to do that. Part of it is because uh, we were going. I was going to bed at nine thirty. Back in my crazy days, me and Darren often, when we traveled or whatever, out at restaurants, we would have a coffee and a cavassier or something, you know. Mm. But as or, a rule, never. Or me Bailey's with coffee. Part of me, or like people would do that. They would have a cavassier or a, a Bailey's or a cognac. Dan, Dan can you have a coffee at night and go to sleep? Yeah, I've yeah, I, I've always uh, I've never. But that, maybe that's that. why you're not. Maybe that's why you're waking up at three in well, the morning just now, laying there. A, that's possible. I don't have it. It's, don't make a habit of it. But uh, hey, mm-hmm. you know, like an espresso after dinner, I mm. don't mind doing that. But espresso has even less caffeine in it because it's a dark roast coffee, yes. and the process pushes it through, and uh, some of the caffeine mm-hmm. just comes out of it naturally. Through well, you're not getting process. enough sleep. I know that. You told me. You see, so you're only getting what do you get? Yeah, no, like I, four or five hours now. You're just laying there vibrating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, caffeine too is much, also going too much. What? Too much blood rushing to a certain part of your body. Yeah. By the way, did you hear what he said when you left that the bet the, the contest is over now. We're just going to go back to. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't hear that. Oh yeah, he's coming. Giving up on the contest. Oh yeah, he's because he's like ah right. fuck it. Maybe there's not enough blood in your body now to service all your parts. See, there you go. The transfusion or something. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. There Why is Enda so numb now? Well, I, there's yeah. no blood getting there. So I think Dan would give us both $50 if we stopped doing it. See, uh, what I was, I, I Dan, didn't please know. make your point because then we got to go for fuck's sake. Well, okay. So caffeine is a stimulant and there's also some studies out there that say that it can mm. increase your libido up to about three times Ooh. a day. But mm. after that, then... You know. <laughs> Dan, Dan Dan's got to shoot a blender into his wiener. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dan, can we go now? Are we done now, please? Yeah, I'll save save this bug story. Yeah, save the bug story because... The day after tomorrow. We're not going back tomorrow. We're not going back tomorrow. And um, we will have to take next Monday off, too. This is the last one of the year. Um, I just found out that the tea time is in the morning. So, uh, but no show tomorrow, golf tournament day. Thanks very much to, uh, where is that? To somebody for something. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? I've, uh, I deleted. To, to, to music guy. Darcy for, <laughs> to music guy for something with music. Darcy, Darcy Adam, founder of and CEO of uh, Make Music Matter. 
Yeah. I can't and, wait. Uh, uh, you know what I can't wait for? I can't wait for the note we're going to get when um, he hears the show and hears your really poor taste comment after he's done. Oh, my God. I'm so glad that wasn't me. Just terrible. Well, she's been through a lot. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, why don't we'll you... just listen hey, to the other one. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take off the clip, and I'm going to send it to him. And say, Fred wanted you to... Maybe you could do an album with Adele. <laughs> Fuck. Um, it's already been done. That's my old point. Yeah, it's a bad point. It's a bad luck. Can you imagine you guys sitting down with a radio program <laughs> oh, director oh, right no. now? With no, all I, stuff you just I can't did? wait. I can't wait. I, 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 seriously, because usually it was me. I can't. I couldn't fucking wait to get into that meeting today. <laughs> Shut the door. A lot of yeah. yelling. Uh, okay, so no show tomorrow, and then on Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh, it's great. It's going to be uh, Bill Brio time. And um, Ben Murray's going to be on on uh, Thursday for oh, some for some more great news about the planet. Fuck. Yeah, he's got he's a smart guy. He's so, super smart, but a lot of he likes listening to the show when he's on. By the way, what does that mean? She doesn't like listening to the show when she's he's not on. Well, by inference. Uh, Okay, but more uh, she makes a point of listening when he's yeah. on. Maybe uh, I'll tell you who that? doesn't like all the Dan Dick jokes is Lisa. I know that for sure. Um, all right, thanks everybody. Uh, we will uh, see you on uh, Wednesday. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, EVNet.ca, Paula Pasta, and Stretch Lab Toronto. For contests and comments, we read all of our emails. We've got the Thursday email show with the Palma Pasta Prize, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. So tell us what you think. Liking, subscribing helps us out, and writing reviews do as well. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, and enjoy every good damn day. The road from the habitations and the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low. The jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts. Two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans and just clap your hands or just clap your hands. Where's that?